there's no you audio, only we audio. Oh, communist audio? I need to mute you yeah, that's or I'm pro- going to want to shoot myself. <laughs> that's probably a good idea. <laughs> Welcome to the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast, the only Survivor podcast that says, hey, there's your immunity idol. Go go jump off a boat. Go get it. Go, you want this? Go get it. I am your host, Stephen Levine, with my co-host, Jared Sheldon, and our special guest, Brian. Brian, say hi to the people at home. Hi, everybody. I'm Brian. Hi, everybody. I'm Brian. As far as I'm concerned, you're already the best Brian associated with Survivor. yes from our experience that is one brian and not so great yeah not not so great it is a low bar but you did step over it you did it wait have (laughs) you killed any puppies lately no (laughs) okay yeah great you're on the right track and you're already you're a leg up so brian tell us a little bit about yourself uh why are you here who who are you let's start with who are you (laughs) Well, um, I'm Brian, <laughs> and uh, I am a friend of Stevens. And Steve and I just did a production together. We just did a production of Shrek the Musical, and we had a ton of fun. And it's always amazing making brand new friends. In that vein, uh, I'm, I'm an actor. I own a children's theater company. With my wife. I am a music teacher, and more. Most recently, I. <laughs> have started maybe not the wisest decision in my in my thirties, but I've started jujitsu. So I that I'm is trying so many cool. things. <laughs> What's the name of the company in case people want to hire a children's theater company for something? If they're an Gosh, educator or something, that would be amazing. So we are Chicago based, and we are Imaginarium Theater Company, and we do summer camps mainly. So um, they really are. We aren't just tooting our, our own horn, but we really do feel like we've put so much into these camps and production value and in terms of an experience for the children, I really do feel that it's the best new children's theater option in Chicagoland area. So um, Imaginarium Theater, if you want to check us out. I am here to toot your own horn because Brian is a great human being and just uh, it, it would be, you would be well, uh, it'd be a good choice if you just, Hire Brian. Hire Brian for everything. So I, I also want to say to anyone with parents listening out there, that is not necessarily the pipeline to make them become actors. You don't want your children to be actors. Save them. But a summer <laughs> camp, that's a lifelong thing that they will that they will cherish forever. <laughs> and really then they'll make point. better financial decisions once they're an adult. We don't make good financial decisions. We run a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Brian, what the reason why I invited you is because you had uh, we had talked a little bit. We had time over our many hours of rehearsals. We talked about Survivor and that how you kind of got back into Survivor pretty recently. How how did that happen? Well, I was pumped. Netflix started advertising it again, and it just threw you into like I don't know what season, but it just came up on on my screen at like season thirty one. And so I came up to Steven, Jared, I came up to Steven in rehearsal. I'm like, hey, uh, I know you do a Survivor podcast a little bit after he told me. 
And I said, I'm catching up. I've started the newest season. He's like, oh, uh, and he named the name. And I was like, no, 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 season 31. You know, the one with so-and-so. And he just went, oh, Brian, there are like 45 <laughs> seasons. <laughs> you got a little bit of, uh, a little bit to go. <laughs> it is really, I, you know, listen, once a season, I talk about how bad Paramount Plus is. And I don't, I won't do that here. But it is telling how much more traffic Netflix gets than Paramount Plus that they're like, all right, we need to give them a fucking teaser on a competitor's platform so that they'll actually come over here and watch our show in its entirety, please. They've actually been doing that for a while. The, yeah. They, for a while, were doing two seasons on Amazon Prime uh, hmm. back in like 2017, 2018, because I found them, this was before Paramount Plus was a thing, I found them and could download them for when I was on the ship. So I was just like, yes, I have Survivor again. This is beautiful. It wasn't the latest ones, but still. Sure. Made me feel good that I could connect back to that. So why do you guys think that Netflix and and other streaming platforms are allow like these enormous franchise reality TV shows to be on their platform, but just the most random season, like a season six and a season 12? I think it's in rotation because they they did originally start with strong seasons. Like they would pick their best seasons or ones that would, I would think, hook an audience to try to get them to go, oh, okay, that was awesome. Where can I find more? Now that they've done that for a while, they kind of have to rotate what's <laughs> in. They still don't want to put their crap seasons out on Netflix because that will... They're not throwing Thailand on Netflix? They're not putting Thailand on Netflix, <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe if they run out of options, maybe they will. I, I, it would get that, that season going to a place where people could find it without knowing any context for Survivor would cause some internet buzz about Survivor. Correct. Maybe not the buzz they're looking for, <laughs> but some buzz. It would make people upset, and I don't think that they should do that. So yeah, I think I think they're doing the right move because it is at least I think in my social circles gaining in popularity. Jared showed me a chart the other day that it's not necessarily gaining in popularity, but it is holding steady. Well, that's also cable ratings, like cable TV. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that streaming companies uh, I we don't have time for me to get on my socialist soapbox again, but <laughs> streaming companies don't release their viewership numbers they have no there's no regulatory body that makes them and no incentive for them to do so they are not so, obligated yes that is just cable tv okay. that i shared with you okay then that makes me feel better because there's less and less people who actually have a physical cable box or i guess does internet streaming cable count as cable i did have youtube tv for the football season i don't think so because somebody explained to me how ratings used to work. I'm so sorry, Brian. Um, <laughs> they would literally hook something up. And I don't know if it's still like this or if it's digital. The Nielsen uh, box. What? The Nielsen box. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, The Nielsen box that would tell the company, the, the broadcast company, what people were turned, tuned into and for how long of like a sample size. And then they extrapolated out across demographics. So I imagine, I don't know if they can do that, if they would choose to do that with internet streaming. Uh I don't know, because Cable's, like, dying and dead, kind of? Pretty much. <laughs> okay, well, I think we should just get into it, because as we have learned in these first episodes, there's a lot to talk about, and we just, we might as well get going. 
So we jump out. We one, we get the the beautiful explanation of where we are. We're in Palau, and we're we're seeing all these beautiful shots of water of islands. There are a lot of mini islands. And they're like, ah, yes, World War II. There's a lot of island hopping going on. A lot of shooting down military planes. And we see the remnants of that around here. And it's it's a cool intersection of both untouched nature and the wars of humanity. <laughs> you good, Stephen? No. Okay. <laughs> but also... He was talking about the uh, all of all of the nature that's involved. There's a lot of cool fish. There's a lot of animals. There's tons of jellyfish. That seems dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> then again, I I lean on the side of the ocean itself is just dangerous, and we shouldn't go near it. So everything in the ocean looks dangerous to me. Jared's afraid of the ocean. Brian, what are your opinions on the ocean? I approve of the global ocean. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> oh, Brian, coming on the podcast, speaking for big ocean. <laughs> you know, no, I like the ocean. It's just none of my business. <laughs> I appreciate, Brian, that you come on here and you make really the hard takes. Like some people may say that, whoa, you're out of control. Appro- so approving of ocean in the first 10 minutes of a podcast. Look, I don't want to, you know, offend anyone on my views on the ocean, <laughs> but I'm... If that's going to make people, you know, go to Dax Shepard's podcast, you know, you lost them already. <laughs> anyway, we see the we see the cast. They're all rowing the same boat. It's a big boat. And then Jeff comes comes cruising by like he's the like a fucking asshole. <laughs> like he's the jerk <laughs> at a marina and he's like spraying people with his wake. It's pretty funny. He's like, "Sup guys, I'm Jeff." Why is Jeff chosen to be the antagonist? <laughs> and I think right away, I think it's, uh, oh yeah, James, the the uh, male Twyla, um, is like, that Jeff, he's a real son of a bitch. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with you, James. <laughs> that was also the first line from one of the survivors this season. It wasn't like, my name's Jake. I just love the ocean. I love to swim. It was like, Jeff's a son of a bitch. And I... Couldn't this, be happy. This some bitch. Yeah. <laughs> it was really funny. Like across the board, I think the editing in this episode was pretty hilarious. It's pretty good. Yeah. We we get the theme song, and I have opinions on the theme song, but were there do you have any opinions on the theme song or were theme songs not a part where when you joined in? Because they eventually go away. No. Um theme song this theme song was an enormous part of my survivor experience. And I had, I had not heard that song in years. So I got a visceral response and me and my wife both started going, oh, 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 and started singing along. And it was, I wanted to light a torch and get going, <laughs> jump off a boat. We're getting Brian out there right now. Burning your condo <laughs> yeah. down. Jump off the boat, go swim to the, to the beach. Jared, your opinions on the, on the theme. 
I honestly didn't notice it because this is the point in the season when I scramble to write down, in this case, 20 names over the course of the intro. Okay. My ears are turned off. I am just trying to write down names as quickly as humanly possible. (laughs) In episode two, I will get to actually listen and appreciate the theme song. (laughs) There is a pause button. You know that, right? All right. Well, now you've started the Paramount Plus rant. Okay. Um, Oh, God. (laughs) So when I'm casting uh, Paramount Plus, either, either from my computer or my phone, maybe not from the computer, I don't remember. Uh, if I reopen the window it's casting from or on my phone, the app, it will start the episode over. Oh, no. So, no, there's not. There is no pause button when I'm watching. There is no pause in Bossing Say. I'm sorry I brought it up. I will move forward. <laughs> anyway, the point being... This podcast is decidedly not sponsored by, by Paramount+. Plus. That is true. <laughs> we There's like a little drummer boy aesthetic to it where they're like ah okay military drum leads into survivor theme song and it kind of slaps it's pretty great i i do appreciate it we'll talk about it more when you hear it for the first time when i actually get to listen to it for the first time it gets you excited it gets Uh, you real pumped up it it does so jeff explains that there are two immunities on the shore first man and first woman to get to shore gets to be immune i guess okay at this point we've never seen anything like this i don't know why you would need an immunity this early in the game an individual one an individual immunity it will save you at least a little bit (laughs) yeah and he explains later how long that is but it's not too long it's a day (laughs) yeah so we see some jostling in the boat Like I said, this is 20 people in a singular boat, and they all realize that at some point, I have to jump off of this boat and make a run for it. And some do it a little too early. Yeah, okay, I will say, to their credit, I don't think... I expect people to start jumping off sooner. and Because, like, it doesn't look as far as it is, which we've discovered a couple times in seasons where like people have to swim a long distance. Actually, ironically, Thailand, we could bring it up where they mm-hmm. had like, they tried to swim to the water hole and they're like, that was so much farther than we thought it was because it's, it's flat. It's, you don't think about how hard, how difficult it is to swim. Yeah. How, what would your guys' strategies be? How quickly would you try to get out of the boat versus, uh, would you just try to like, I mean, can you throw people off the boat? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and start the season off as an antagonist right, right off the bat. That'd be a move. You know, there's no rule that says you can't let a dog get the first immunity. <laughs> Sorry, we, we joke about Airbud a lot. I don't know why. I think Jared... Because <laughs> a weird amount of the world operates on Airbud rules for some reason. <laughs> there's no rule saying that you can't throw somebody off. Therefore, do it. Why not? That would probably get you voted off, though. Is this the yeah. first Airbud reference I've had since I watched Airbud as a child? And I'm, I'm just really proud of you guys for bringing it up, and kind of <laughs> really excited. I'm all for it. You're welcome. <laughs> well, I would also be. I would have to dive deeper into it if you had a a sharp opposition to Airbud. <laughs> if there was something in your tragic backstory that said no. Not Airbud. I love the ocean. Cannot be. I love the ocean, but fuck Airbud. <laughs> Don't you know a golden retriever playing basketball killed my family? <laughs> but I had a, a beautiful respite from it as I went onto the ocean with a boat. 
the ocean with my real dad. There it is. We found your backstory, Brian. <laughs> no, to, but to answer your question, though, I had a serious moment where I, I felt myself like lean up in my seat, like, wait a minute. This is like immediate strategy. Like everyone thinks they're, you know, just get to the island, then the game starts. But it's like the game starts now and you will make friends or enemies now. And so I felt myself like I would want to jump off the boat immediately but then probably look around and just decide like, no, just do what everyone else says they're going to do. And don't don't stick out. Yeah. Don't put a target on your back. Don't, don't be the individual. Don't be the hero on day one as we've learned and learn again in this episode. Yeah. See, I would, I would fall for the trap. I'd be like, Oh, the, the prize right in front of me. Like I probably wouldn't jump out too early. Cause I know I'm not that strong of a swimmer, but I'd be fucking pushing past people to try to get it once we got to the beach <laughs> and yeah no brian you're that is correct like there's 20 people you just don't you don't need to get the immunity you just need to not be the 20th person that they all hate <laughs> don't just don't stick out on day yeah. one yeah. yeah yeah so we're probably like <laughs> i want to guess 400 to half a mile away from shore, 400 meters to half a mile from shore. And Stephanie and Jonathan jump out. They, they say, you know what? This boat's not moving too fast. I, I think I can jump in and beat it. And they do. They go to the end of the boat, they jump in and then they watch as immediately the boat, the boat pulls past the them. boat laps them. <laughs> And I knew this was coming, and it was still so funny every single time. What makes you think that your ass is faster than a boat that has, like, 18 people rowing? Hubris. Yeah. Athletic hubris. So, yeah, like I said, they they jump in the water. There are <laughs> They get lapped by the boat, and then the madness ensues as people are like jostling in the boat, trying to figure out, okay, when is my opportunity? Hey, this person's moving. I'm going to take their spot so I can get a better spot for when I want to jump out. And then everyone jumps at the same time and it's absolute madness. <laughs> this was not well thought out. No, I don't think it was well thought out, but it was well executed. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is. It's kind of a free for all where you throw everybody and say, I don't know, whatever happens, happens. And it did. Jolanda and Ian get to the beach first. Jolanda, like, or sorry, Ian beats everyone. Yeah. Jolanda just fucking, like, bodies people. To, or bodies <laughs> another girl to get the necklace. Like, straight up, like, field soccer tackles her. I would not be surprised if she did, like, right before the scene cut to her, like, shove somebody out of the way and say, this is mine. She was great. We hardly no, that's super cool. She's interesting. Great. I think, is it Yolanda or Jolanda? I think Jolanda, because she uses the word Joe. Okay, like, gotcha. Call me Joe, but it could be Yolanda. Uh, True. We, we didn't get very much time with her, so honestly, I'm sorry. We didn't get to know her very well. The first boot, and yet somehow not the first contestant off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We find out that everyone's living on the same beach. Everyone's hanging out together. You, they start building shelters. They start going to find some water. And really, they're getting along pretty well. As a group of 20 people with absolute like uncertainty, nobody knows what's going on. This has never hap happened before. 
okay, let's just, let's build a shelter. Sure. Why not? Yeah. I, I do kind of like this part of it that like getting to know everybody before you split into tribes, I think is an interesting wrinkle. Cause then it, as you get into swaps and merges, you might already have opinions on people that aren't just based around, Hey, you were a dick in that immunity challenge that one time. I don't know. What did you think, Brian? I mean, I thought that everyone was getting along really well. And then I was shocked by the fact that Mr. Kobe, the hairdresser, was already like plotting out, hey, you know, we're voting for this person, right? And walking around to everyone, kind of making a plan. I was like, this is a bit early, buddy. You're going to get a target paid on your back. But he somehow got skates by on the whole first episode, it seemed to me. Like, no one talked about the fact that he was kind of already strategizing and maybe trying to turn people a little too early. And I know that in previous seasons, that's a big deal if you're the first person to start talking about alliances and and voting. Yeah, and you wonder what would have happened had he been on the losing side if his trying to make alliances right away or trying to... I mean, for lack of a better word, scheme through yeah. the first few days, if that would have bit him. But we don't see it. We so don't see it. He's on the winning tribe. He's on the winning tribe. So nothing to do on that one. We we get a few moments at this joint beach where everyone's off doing their job. Tom, the fireman, is like, I'm not making the fire. That's a loser job. Like it you wait, he's a fireman? Uh yeah, he was wearing a fire shirt. Like yeah, fire department T-shirt the whole time. Wait, no, you're right. I totally forgot that. And I forgot that he was the one that didn't want to build the fire. What? Okay, <laughs> okay. It it makes it pretty great that he's just the whole process. No, I'm not doing that. Don't make me. That's a loser job. It's a loser job. And I think he means it from the sense that. You can't win. They're trying to build a fire, and there's no way that you can do this. No, yeah. Realistically, I, without what the tools that we are going to get later. As Blade would say, some motherfuckers just like ice skating uphill. <laughs> Did you reference Blade? Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Man, Airbot and Blade. Yeah, weird. Digging is it was Blade early nineties? Not no, early nineties. Early sorry. 2000s. Early I think 2000s. we I think we talked about Blade as like a top movie of the week oh, on I this think, podcast. I think you're right. Oh geez. Okay. Well <laughs> neat. And then we we go to the water well, we find shoes after people are chopping off the heels of because once again they're being told go get in this boat. You're surviving with the clothes on your back right now. So I had a question about that. Yeah. I, I don't know if I don't think either of you will have answers, but like they were rowing in a like big ass canoe. Yeah. Where did they think they were going? I think and I, I believe that this is the same setup from Pearl Islands where they're like, hey, we're going to take a cast photo. And then they all got we're told, get in the boat. You're rowing to shore. Game's on. Which is even sillier because we don't see that. We just see them rowing in a canoe and then Jeff will be like, hey guys, game's on. And they're surprised by it and they're wearing like high heels and stuff and have to like cut their clothing and their shoes. So we're led to like believe that they didn't know that while they were paddling a canoe full of 
people? Like, you paddle the canoe to the photo shoot. Yes, we do have a speedboat. Shut up. <laughs> okay. And then we we kind of spend the night. Everyone's building a shelter. Janu climbs a tree. That's fun. Kobe and Angie are kindred spirits, which is important for a few moments later. Uh-huh. And like you said, Kobe is is throwing out Jonathan and wants people like, hey, maybe we should get out Jonathan. Like the way he jumped off the boat, guy can't be trusted, right? He gets his wish. <laughs> and we wake up in the morning and Jeff's in the woods. Beware of Jeff in the woods. <laughs> Jeff in the woods is a bad thing. Yeah, actually nine out of 10 Bigfoot sightings are just actually Jeff. Oh, okay. Jeff Probst, the actual Bigfoot. That's <laughs> and then Jeff shows up and explains, all right, you know that immunity you got? That's going to save you for the next 10 minutes. <laughs> Jolanda, Ian, take a mat, like go one each side here. We're picking tribes. So we're going to go through our castmates here. And like I said, this is the moment in the show where we... <laughs> Jared makes a strong pitch at who he likes, who he doesn't like. And... I'm going to do my best to keep and my mouth shut. Brian, hopefully. And Brian, that I, is I, true. I do want to point out one thing, which is last season, there was a bit when they split the tribes and they had them compete against each other. And I don't remember who it was. Maybe, I, I don't think it was Lisa. I think Lisa was gone by that point. But one of the women was like, so, no, maybe, I think it was Lisa. It's like, so do I just go home? And Jeff's like, no, of course not. You're going to set out this challenge. And I joked at the time, like, Imagine if they did that. Like, if you didn't get picked in the schoolyard pick them, you go home. And I can't believe the very next season, not only do they do that, but it's <laughs> they do it to two people who have only been here for probably less than 24 hours. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that is your survivor experience. Pretty that was brutal. brutal. Yeah, you get thrown in. You go through all this paperwork, all of this pre-screening, and then suddenly... Thanks. Bye. You went all the way to Palau to not get cast at the callback. <laughs> like you're not even a contestant yet. Brian, let's do a hypothetical here. We we flew you to Palau. You uh mm -hmm. I don't know, you jumped off a boat too early and now everyone is sending you home. How do you feel? How do you how do you recoup after this situation? I don't know. What was what was that woman's name who um who it was the final two. The woman was like Wanda or something, right? Yep. Yeah. I was one shocked that everyone was crying. Like, how well did you get to know Wanda as you were paddling your ass off to the island in your high heels? But but then she had such good like good like have fun vibes, and that's such a good like such a great way to go. Like, I've got one second on TV. I'm gonna be the yeah, I've got good spirit person, but I think I would have been the opposite. I'd have been like, I'm going to leave a mark. And I think I would have went for Jeff Brooks. <laughs> just, just, just tackle him. There's a couple of contestants that might have. If they were the last one standing there. <laughs> there are some times oh, I, in the I, future where we get dangerously close to that scenario happening. Yeah, I've seen a couple of those moments. Yeah, Maybe you just like take his little shirt and say, like, I am the captain now. <laughs> no, no, no. Give me your, your blue Explorer shirt. 
I am Jeff Probst. You get on the boat and leave. You clearly don't want to be here after watching last season. Yeah, at this point in the show's career, Jeff probably would go, all right, and just leave. <laughs> all right, fine. I'm out. Can I ask why? Is it? Is it? I know you're a podcast, but don't you guys feel at this point, now that you've hit season 10, that you deserve like 10th anniversary Jeff Probst I'm an adventurer shirts while you, anytime you do the pod? See, I hadn't thought about it that way, but now we do. Now we need that. We gotta, <laughs> we gotta go find some Explorer shirts. Just as uh, turning back time. We need costumes for our audio medium. I actually did go as Jeff Probst <laughs> for Halloween this last year. It was. I'm so proud of you. It went over surprisingly well. Yeah. Yeah. Again. Did Michaela hard. join you? Was Was Michaela a, a bamboo stock? <laughs> Michaela wasn't at that party. And I don't remember why. But... They had something else. This was uh, a different one of our mutual friends' parties. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't matter. That would have been fun. Oh, no. Michaela should have been a torch that you could have extinguished and said the, the, the line. What is the line again? The tribe has spoken. <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm going to get into this casting. Remind me, Brian, have you seen this season? Do you know who wins depending on how well I have to dance around this? Never seen it. Okay, perfect. So then I am going to just go down the list here. Alphabetically by tribe, we'll start with, Jared, do you want Oolong or do you want Karor first? I cannot believe one of the tribe's name is fucking Oolong. Oolong T, baby. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's start with Oolong. Okay. Alphabetically, we start with Angie Jakuts, 24 from New Orleans, our bartender. This is the one who was making... Uh, oh, yeah. With the tattoos in our image here. It's third one in. She's the one who has the outcast story that's like her and what was the guy, is the guy's name Colby as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Her and Colby, it's like, oh yeah, we're the weird ones. That also, I can't tell if that was coded as queer because Colby is is effeminate and seems to it seems to be gay. I don't know if Angie is, and that was that was part of their like unspoken bond. I don't know maybe if maybe she is and isn't out. I don't know if that was just like a hey, we're the weirdos, or hey, we're the queer people on this season because we've seen both of those storylines, and sometimes it, it ends up being that they weren't out at the time, they're out later, blah blah, whatever. I don't think she's gonna do that well in this game. She is on the wrong tribe, <laughs> and she kind of says that too yeah. that she was really thinking that Kobe was going to pick her and was going to be set to join Oolong, but, or sorry, set to join Karor, but suddenly it didn't happen, and now she's with the Jock tribe. Which seems like a really stupid move if you are Kobe. Maybe you don't want to get weighted down if you think like, oh, you know, we could be an easy two to pick off if we're together. It puts, I want to make sure I'm not paired up with like somebody I think is a weak link, but I don't know. That just, it seems like not having an ally on your tribe is worse. I don't know. What about, what about you, Brian? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, you know, it's a bit cringy with how she reacted um, at the tribal council later, you know, just kind of talking about herself being a weak link out. And, you know, I think I, in that moment, I was just like, no, talk. Talk yourself up about how, like, oh, when people get to know, I haven't had my moment yet, but when people get to know me, you know, talk about future you, not how you're, oh, I'm probably going home. 
right before everyone's like, I'm not really sure who to vote for just yet. It's day one. I guess that girl said she's already going home, so I'll put her name on the list. But um, yeah. I think she could be a very interesting player in the game if she finds her her strategy, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think the successful case for her moving forward is slipping by, right? Where it's like, oh, yeah, we, yeah, Angie's kind of the obvious one. Well, so what if we took out this person instead? Oh, well, oh, maybe we should get rid of Angie, but we could take out this person instead. This is my unofficial Survivor Turning Back Time motto. Survive one vote. You only have to survive one vote, make it three more days, and then worry about the next three days afterward. Nice. Uh, moving on to Ashley. Ashley Ashby. That cannot. She's in witness protection that program. Is, that is an actual name. <laughs> 22, a student from South Carolina. Ashley is bottom row, second in. A youngin. I do you remember her at all, Brian? I only remember her when she was looking very frightened that she wasn't going to be picked at all. And they're very I teach second grade elementary school necklace. But I didn't get a good taste of her like personality at all, you know? Did, was she the second to last one picked? I don't or, remember. Or the last one picked or something? Okay. She's very yeah. close to being the last one. I she's Every season there's somebody that once we get to the section, I go, I've never seen that person before in my life. <laughs> I actually, <laughs> it's you. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, we really don't see a whole lot. So I'm, I'm just going to move on past Ashley. Uh, moving on to Bobby John Drinkard, 27 from Los Angeles, California. Bobby John is our second one on the top, or top row, second in. He's got some flowy hair. He's <laughs> charismatic. He's yeah. a waiter. I will say this this season, already more uh, a more dynamic cast than Vanuatu. I'm not going to say it's a better cast, but it is already a more sociable and dynamic cast yes i would agree with that the you have certainly more people than your average joe that you pulled off the street yeah which i do appreciate um he's got he's got main character energy it didn't get to do anything big in this episode but like he definitely could i feel like take either a leadership role or be an important influencer in the game Something about the name Bobby John, too, that you're like, that guy must be long for this game because yeah. Bobby John is such a fun name. I, I don't see yeah, that Bobby, Bobby John voted out first. No, Bobby John should be the should be uh, James' name with that accent he has. I, it would 100% if I didn't remember James's name, I would have thought that we were talking about James when we said Bobby John. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, yeah, you're. I, I definitely agree. Yeah, some main character energy or some like, like in a sitcom, like the friend next door that like, like the Barney Stinson of the show, you know, like if he was, if he was on a sitcom, sure, sure, sure. Like the cool one. Cool guy. He's a cool guy. He's a cool guy. Uh, moving on to Ibrahim Rashman. Ra oh my God. I said that wrong. Ibrahim Rahman. R-A-H-M-A-N. My brain just didn't want to say ramen because it sounds like <laughs> yeah. ramen noodles. 27 from Birmingham, Alabama, a waiter. Uh, he is bottom corner left here. One of our 
two to four people of color on the season. Super muscular, though. He is a beast. There are a surprising amount of absolutely jacked people in this season. Is he a male model? He's a waiter. Okay, well, he should be a male model. He he, ha- he has like a 12-pack, <laughs> and he has like like piercing eyes. This dude was like one of the first things I wrote down when they were on the beach is like, this guy's a fucking monster. Like he's just like climbing trees, <laughs> basically one-handed. It's a, it's insane. Yeah, I want to do some sit-ups after that episode for sure. <laughs> it does give you the just the internal dialogue that like, man, I gotta do sit-ups. I, I don't know. I feel not so good about myself. Uh, moving on to <laughs> James Miller, thirty-three from Mobile, Alabama, a steel worker. James. Oh, this is a, we know who James is. Yeah. Sure. Give us give us his tagline one more time. Oh, uh, sorry. It wasn't Jeff's a son of a bitch. It was Jeff's a bastard. I found the the note. I, I'm gonna like James. I'm gonna like James a lot. I mean, unless he does something horrible. Like if he does like a hate crime, I'm not gonna like James. But as long as he just stays like quirky and weird, I'm gonna be a big fan of James. He reminds me of, or he makes me think of Big Tom, but I think I like him better than Big Tom in the way that I can understand what he's saying. Oh, sure. The, the the dialect is there and it's present, but it's not overwhelming to the point that we need subtitles. Yes, correct. <laughs> they should put subtitles on whenever he talks anyway. That'd be funny. Just <laughs> do it completely unexplained. And like, every, no, everyone understands. Like, CBS, you don't have to do this. Like, no, 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 we're doing it. No, tr- or like translate it like for like when Jeff's a bastard. He'll say like, uh, I do not appreciate the way that Jeff treated us. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Southern to <laughs> English. A- Appalachian to Midwestern. <laughs> do the polite version. I mean, he's from Alabama, so. That's, oh, yeah. Okay. That's just straight Southern. At Deep that South point. to Deep Midwestern. South. Yeah. Any any more thoughts on that one, Brian? I just think that after every tense situation, they should do a quick cut to James for the final word. Yep. It sucked, Jeff. And it would be the best, like, you know, and transition. He is our uh, rim shot. Yeah, or like, like, you know, they have a big blow up in camp and he goes, well, we better get to work. Can't be rolling all around all day like armadillos. Like just like just like folksy phrases. Yes. <laughs> I think you can win Survivor with enough folksy phrases in your back pocket. There you go. There you go. Moving on to Jeff Wilson, twenty-one, a personal trainer from California. Jeff is our fourth row down, third person in. He's got a lot of forehead in this one. Got a lot of forehead, <laughs> but I shouldn't. I shouldn't talk. I also have a lot of forehead, especially when I pull that head back. Like, mm, look at that forehead. I mm. personally hate when they cast people named Jeff. I agree. It does get confusing when Jeff is talking to Jeff, and we have to talk about Jeff in the third person. And it's like, uh, okay, guys, we, we we need we need separation between the Jeffs. Beyond that. Honestly, he did not get a whole lot of screen time and he didn't do anything super memorable. Oolong isn't the tribe that goes to tribal council, right? It is the tribe that goes. Okay. Yes. I couldn't, I, I only, <laughs> oh, right. Because we talked about, um, we talked about Katie. 
yeah, I, I don't know. We'll learn more about him as we go. Um, like you said, a, a lot of forehead. Um, he kind of seems like you just clicked uh, create a character like as a white, like create, create a character white guy sim edition and clicked randomized. I, yeah, I mean, if you guys don't are uncomfortable with saying, you know, Jeff and Jeff, there's always um, there's always forehead Jeff. But, you know, I don't want to promote body shaming of foreheads, but I just, you know, that's kind of what we know him as now, so maybe we can stick with it. For well, Jeff. <laughs> Let's see, what we could do is we could just call him Wilson from now on, and we would shout like we were in Castaway. Well, <laughs> we'll see if he earns a nickname. Okay. Okay. Moving on to Jolanda Jones, 38, from Houston, Texas, a lawyer. Yeah, she is. That Okay, that tracks. Jolanda, yep. Jolanda is... Fourth row down, second in. Jolanda sticks out a lot in this episode because this is Jolanda's episode to go yeah. home. Uh, Brian, I have strong opinions, so I'll let you go first. What do you think about Jolanda? Can I talk about? So yeah, no, we've already said we've already said this is our only episode. So I was shocked that this wasn't one of the main players of the show because she was very very strong. She was very motivated. She was a natural leader. She wasn't afraid to, you know, get her hands dirty. And so, like, just just the fact that she maybe made a bad call in terms of thinking that all the resources were important, which they are, by the way, I, you know, I was shocked that people turned on her so much. I, it, I think it was only because there wasn't another extremely obvious person. Because I this was one of the main players. I liked Jolanda, and I was surprised that that she's that she's gone already. I, as a viewer, liked Jolanda, and if I was in trouble, if I committed a crime, I want Jolanda in that courtroom defending me. That is a woman who takes no shit. She takes no <laughs> shit. But on Survivor, sometimes you have to take shit. And it, it, yeah, so much like my way or the highway in camp, even like in little interactions. And I feel, and like, it felt like really defensive at times where it would be like, well, if you don't like it, that sucks. That's just the way I do things. Like, sorry, that's just who I am. And that's somebody that's super hard to collaborate with. We've all known those people in our lives. And when you want someone, when you need someone to lead something like uh, your criminal case, Fuck yeah, Jolanda. Please do that. For all of us surviving together, I I don't know about that one. And she's really strong, but she's on a tribe full of really strong people. Mm. So they don't need to get rid of physically weak people. She's They have plenty. Their cup runneth over. True. Sure. I, I think, I agree. I think Jolanda got, uh, was, did dirty here. I, I think that, yes, people overreacted to her trying to take a little bit of a leadership role in camp. And she admitted that she was trying to take a leadership yeah. role in tribal council. But, man, I think you put up with that for a few more days. I, we've, we've seen a lot of leaders that are, like, begrudging leaders where it's like, okay, well, somebody has to step up. It's naturally me, so I'll do it. I don't get that vibe from Jolanda and the tribe. I get the vibe that Yolanda got in minute one and went, cool, so I'm the leader. Everyone get behind me. And if you don't, I will body you out of the way so I can get immunity. 
I like Jolanda. Moving on. Oh, I don't dislike her. I can just, I understand their reasoning. Moving on for time's sake. Kim Mullen, 25, from Huber Heights, Ohio, a graduate student. Kim, and I, as I'm jumping from page to page here, oh, I actually don't know where Kim is. Oh, there she is. Kim is, I'm like translating, fourth row down, first person in. The fact that it took you so long to find her says a lot. It it kind of does. It does. I have, I have no idea who this person is. And this is part of the problem with 20 people. Yeah, we're we're kind of overloaded with a lot of people. And we have 20 people and three of them went home this episode. And I don't think it's any of their faults. No. We just don't get time to get to know them. And yeah, so they talked about it earlier in the episode. They said something like, oh, my God, are we all to be one tribe for the whole game or for a portion of the game? And at first I went, that's a cool idea. And then I realized trying to distinguish between 20 people all on one tribe with nothing to separate them is impossible. Like eight on each tribe or, or sorry, nine on each tribe. That is a little, you can break that down and start to understand like connections in the span of 45 minutes. The, the format of this episode and trying to take in 20 people all at once, all on the same beach, all talking to each other with nothing to distinguish them besides how they look and maybe a couple of confessionals means that you get people like Kim, who I, I don't know that person. I, did she go home? Kim? No, I know she didn't go. Home. No, she did Kim, not. No. I was like, what? No, it was Wanda, but like Kim could have, and I wouldn't know the difference. Yeah. And again, if she was boring and that was a personality trait, then we'd be like, oh, we latched onto that and like this person is white bread, but we didn't even get to know if this person was boring. Yeah. Moving on to our last member of Oolong, Stephanie Lagrosa, 24 from Tom's River, New Jersey, a pharma pharmaceutical sales rep. They really like pharmaceutical. Oh, my God. I know it's harder to harder to say than you think. Pharmaceutical sales reps on this show. We've seen a few of them. Yeah, Stephanie is our one who jumped off the boat right away. So Stephanie, oh yes, is the top. Yes, left. yes. Okay. What do we think about Stephanie? I'm gonna let you go first on this one, Brian. Well, you know, as we talked about the, you know, the choice you make about that initial island arrival is huge. So no one said anything about Stephanie about their feelings about her jumping out early other than like a sucks to be you kind of vibe but no one's yet said like that said a lot about her character that put a target on her back or anything but the first time we you know met her truly and allowed to talk a lot was her kind of pissed off at Cholanda. so it's always hard for me in reality shows when the first time you meet someone is them complaining about someone else i always i can never I can never truly feel like I got a taste of that person. And the only taste of that person I do have is kind of a bad one. Like they just are a negative person who I wouldn't get along with. So, so far, not the best vibe, but um, I don't know. what. Did you feel the same or did, that, did her reaction to Jolanda affect the way you felt about her? For some reason, Stephanie has more main character energy than anybody else in this season 
like just from first glance something about her like the way that she carries herself i don't know and and not necessarily in a bad way like i don't know that it sticks out to the other people around her but she really does own the camera more than anybody else I, yeah it is interesting that she didn't get held at least we didn't see her get held accountable for jumping out the boat and swimming early i think part of that could also be gendered with like hey, uh, you're a strong, ambitious guy. You're going to win immunity challenge later versus you're a strong, ambitious woman. We need you on our tribe because the per the perception is the weaker women get voted out first. We need someone to help us in the physical challenges. That could play All a part right. in it. But yeah, I don't know. Something about her just, just I like she might be my early winner pick. Like there's just something about her sticks out to me. Here's what I think is that she was in control of the narrative much more than the other guy was in yeah. that we see her actively moving the conversation uh, both before we pick tribes to after the tribes are after tribal or after the immunity challenge where people have to choose who's going home. She is actively participating in those and like doing a good job of speaking. Yes. Yeah. She's very articulate. Yeah. Uh, so that's our Oolong tribe. Moving on to our Karor tribe. Same deal. We'll go alphabetical order here. Starting with Karen Grodel, 46. Don't do that That's a to terrible me. last name. Don't do that to me. <laughs> I'd actually, I went to the doctor to get my Grodel checked out last week. So 46 <laughs> from Ohio, a civil rights lawyer. Uh, now I feel like a dick. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. Karen is third row, second one in. Mm-hmm. One of our one of our older ladies. Yeah, I remember really liking her. I mean, her profession helps that as, that, as a big old lefty. But yeah, there's something to be said for like I always have a soft spot for the older people on a season until they show me that they're boomers, wow. if that makes sense. <laughs> like until they start having until they say that one point. thing that you're like, oh, I don't know about you anymore. Yeah, until we get the lead stare, and then I'm like, ah, that's right. Damn. Yeah. What about you, Brian? You know, just a nice, no complaints vibe from old Grodel. Old Grodel. Old Grodel. Old Grodel. She's going to surprise us all. Yeah, early vibes. I think everybody kind of likes Karen. Yeah, I don't think she's going to go that far, but I think she'll be like, when she does go home, it'll be one of those like, she's kind of gracious and is just like, ah, oh, well, it was my time. Okay. She's going to pull a Wanda. Going to pull a Wanda. Moving on to Kobe. 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 Uh, Kobe Archa, 32, from Athens, Texas, a hairdresser. Kobe, I feel like I don't need to point out Kobe, but Kobe is third down or third row, third one in. Yeah, his headshot's very unique. Why? And we saw a lot of Kobe. And we saw episode. a lot of Kobe. Is it Kobe or Colby? C O B Y. Kobe. Okay. Why did he do? I don't. I talked about it a little bit with Katie, but like, why did he do Katie dirty? Uh, not Katie. Yeah, it was Katie, right? No, no. not Katie. No, no, who are we talking about? Bartender. Uh, uh, Angie. Angie. Well, anytime I've said Katie before, this is my prime man, Angie. So sorry. <laughs> uh, names are hard, guys. Yeah, no. Uh, why did you do Angie dirty? I have a theory, but Brian, do you, do you have any idea why he did Angie dirty? Well, I, clarification. Did he get to pick yeah. when it was up his turn to pick? Did he get to pick a girl? He did. They had to pick a girl. They were go they were going uh, 
you would pick the opposite gender and then the next person would pick the opposite gender after you. So you could only pick one person, but it had to be opposite gender. Okay. Yeah. I, it's funny. I kind of, that, that didn't stick out to me in the episode as terms of him doing her dirty. I know they had an early friendship, but um, he seems like a total wild card to me. So I'm, I'm excited to, though to see what kind of drama he stirs up. Did you have an opinion? Wait, so Stephen, what are you alluding to? You have an opinion of why he or a theory? What's going on here? I think he was full in on like being Angie's person for a while, and then he saw how the tribe picking was going. Yeah, that's what I was getting at. Like, you don't want to put a target on your back by being like, "Oh, I'm gonna pick." I'm going to pick somebody that's that's on my side and is also maybe the first boot on our tribe. Yeah, like it was a it's a pretty clear strength divide between Oolong and Karor. Like Oolong is the bigger stronger tribe. Yeah. Like we are seeing that we don't necessarily see that in the challenge, but we are seeing that there is a disparity here. Not a huge power gap at the moment, but I, I feel like it's apparent to everybody. Yeah. And I think he saw that as people were getting picked. This show, this season accidentally became Brains versus Brawn. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's a good, a good point. At one point. A, a little bit. Yeah. Somebody, somebody did say something along that line, but uh, yeah, I think that's fun. Side note, side note. Why is it that the hairdressers in reality TV shows always have bad hair? That's a great question. I was just looking at his headshot and going, well, that doesn't look like he dresses hair. That's <laughs> yeah. your own hair. Oh, wow. But you should know other hairdressers. <laughs> I don't think his hair is that bad. It's fine. I am not one who should be speaking about hair. Actually, you know what it probably is? Bits aside, you probably are used to putting like a lot of stuff in it to style it. Like you don't have like you and I just wear hairs like we do every day. Mm -hmm. But like, if you're somebody that's styling hair, you're probably using a bunch of product and now you're on an island. Now that I look at it, I think that's exactly right. Is that there's usually some product in that hair. Like it, it's probably cut to a length that product is necessary. And which is suddenly you don't get that option. You're getting thrown in the water. That's your personal the item. The very first minute. <laughs> Dry shampoo. Oh God. Solid point. allow that? No. I would be interested. There's no food, but you can have your J, your, your crew pomade. Mm. I'm actually just going to switch it out last minute and just like change the label. It's actually just squeeze cheese. Yours <laughs> 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 is better. <laughs> the squeeze cheese will survive. The mayonnaise will not. No, that'd be the worst condiment to bring. <laughs> <laughs> 30 minutes out in the sun and it's actually just disgusting. Moving on, we did Kobe to greg greg with two g's carry fuck off with the two g's <laughs> 20, 27 from chicago a hey. consultant greg is where is greg oh greg's uh, the the fawns looking one yeah third row down all the way across that man's head is a square <laughs> mr sideburns mr sideburns <laughs> Um, he's a great headshot though Man. that is a great headshot i don't want to say anything too mean about him because he could find us i would he lives me. in chicago find us please <laughs> let's talk i heard what um, you said i heard what you said you said i had a square head <laughs> i don't know um i don't i don't remember much about him uh i don't like his job uh business consultant is kind of vague and um it's one of those jobs that like 
when I hear that that's what you do, I immediately don't trust you until you proved me that I can trust you. But is it like a reality TV dulling down of the job title? Because, that's a good point. Because I have had to look. So uh, while we had a, a week of break between the seasons here, I did apply for Survivor, and I was trying to think, okay, what do I what do I say as my job title? Because there's no drop down menu that says office services assistant slash personal assistant sometimes <laughs> personal assistant should be on there right it, no i don't think so wow. huh uh so yeah i applied for survivor over the weekend and also uh squid games the challenge season i was gonna apply for that too you should i has I hope... no one else seen the fucking show <laughs> <laughs> I do appreciate the absolute bonkers thing that they're like, remember this scathing review on capitalism? Let's make a game show out of it. <laughs> we need to move on or I will unravel at the DNA level. Cool. Any, anyway, any more thoughts about Greg? He looks kind nope. of for islands, I guess. Oh, he kind of does. Yeah. yeah. Okay, moving on to Ian. Ian Rosenberger, 23, from Ambridge, Pennsylvania, a dolphin trainer. That man is so neurodivergent. Oh my god! <laughs> you can't say that. I don't know. I don't know in what way. Listen, I'm neurodivergent. It's fine. I love him. He's great. Yeah, Ian's our friend who swam real fast, top row, all the way to the right. I love that the dolphin trainer won the very first swim opportunity. Uh, that does not surprise me even slightly. Yeah, he spends his life in the water. I would hope that he won that one. Yeah, I don't know what brand of neurospicy this man is, but he is, and I love him. I love him so much. I see my I see my fellow brother in that. Jared. Did you say did you say neurospicy? I sure did. Man, Jared, we're meeting right now, but we're gonna be friends. <laughs> <laughs> Jared, proving once again that we can never get guests on this show ever again. I can't believe we got one. <laughs> <laughs> uh thoughts on oh hello dog. Doug, jump into the frame. I, I love huskies. The so fact much. that you have a husky makes me trust you so much because huskies are monsters. They and these are we got two, and they're both uh, around one years old, and it's been a it's been a bit of a nightmare in terms of yeah, just them rearing their monster little faces, and uh, they are the best dog in my opinion you can possibly have but they're like it's like having unleashing three-year-old toddlers in your house who can sprint at 30 miles an hour and uh tackle pretty well and chew through couches <laughs> just like a bunch of like little mini little mini blades running all over the place they're great though i got to cuddle with them they're That's cute I, I love them very much well uh before before we are interrupted by the cutest interruptions by doggo um do you have any thoughts on ian is that who we, yep, we have rosenberger yep. dolphin trainer man Ian, i like i like ian right away and uh he better start making some dolphin puns and then <laughs> uh and then he'll really be my favorite character but yeah so far i'm i also dug the uh the little nerdy glasses he put on and he just seems genuine right off the bat. Oh, a hundred percent. He also looks a little bit like Mark Hamill in that headshot. Like I like the corner. Oh. Young Mark Hamill. I, I don't want to say that I see what you're saying, but I vaguely see what you're trying to get at. Anyway, moving on to Janu Tornell, 
39 from Las Vegas, a Vegas showgirl. We got a friend in the industry. Janu is second row, second in. Janu is everything. First of all, she climbs a tree like a monkey. She does. She's just right up that tree. Which I guess that she's incredibly physically fit. Her profession, very cool. Her approach to the game so far, or approach to other people around her, I guess there's really been no game so far. Very cool. I'm excited for Janu. If I, I also, Steven, have for a long time wanted to be on Survivor and, you know, thought about my game and what it would be. And if I, if I really would try to be myself or, you know, kind of have an ulterior, like, disguise in a way. But if I could choose of episode one characters, if I could choose, like, how I want my first episode to go, it, I just want, would want them to cut to me climbing a badass tree and then like not talk again. And then so nice no one's legacy. Yeah. Just like that was awesome. And then move on. Oh, that's beautiful. Okay. Then moving on to Jen Lyon. That's a fun name. Jen Lyon, 32 from Encino, California, a nanny. Jen is, where's my Jen? Oh, uh, also the one that looks like a model. Second row, third one in. Oh, yeah. Right next door. She said she's 32? That's what it says. Wow, okay. She looks very young. She looks very young in that headshot. Yeah. I don't remember seeing much of her. She's conventionally attractive, and nothing in her personality jumped out to me negatively, so she'll probably be fine for a little while, and I guess we'll learn more about her. (laughs) She kind of got buried this episode, being on the winning tribe and not really doing at least anything that we saw impactful in the the group phase, if that's what we're going to call it. Yeah, just seemed likable, and and uh, we'll see what happens there. Yeah. Uh, moving on to Katie Gallagher. Katie, 29, from California, an advertising executive. So this is why I was confused when you were saying Katie, because I'm like, oh, oh yeah, you yeah. were talking about somebody who was actually on the show. Katie is second row, first one in. I think he picks Katie instead of Angie, and that's why I got mixed up. I think you're right. Yeah. Clearly, I didn't know who this woman was. I got her name mixed up with Angie's. I like, I from what we've seen, I like Katie. Like, Katie seems a very positive person. Like, we've had multiple confessionals with Katie already. Wow. Wait, so, like, what is one What is one thing she said? Like, bring yeah, her. Please, Stephen, the- enlighten us. Oh, I think she's one of the first people that they cut to because she's wearing, uh, what is she wearing? She's, like... Well, okay. I guess I don't have specifics about what she was talking about. <laughs> well, she gave Steven a good vibe. Good vibes all around. Yep. <laughs> Moving on to Tom Westman, 40, from New York, a firefighter. Tom is our, our silver fox here. He is third row, first one in. Tom, first of all, seems like a very simple man. And not like in that way that like I'm not saying he's dumb. He just seems very pragmatic. And very, like, I don't know, like a doer, if that makes sense. He's a fireman. He's mm-hmm. also seen some shit. I believe that. He's a New York fireman. That is And true. it is 2006. It's technically, Ooh. it's not New York City. It's Sayville, New York. Oh. Well, see? I bet he gets that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> what's, the, what's the song, the... 
Send me a simple kind of man. Yeah, it's that one. Don't sing anymore, though, or get copyright struck. Hell yeah. If I sing well enough that they copyright strike us, then I'm going to take it. You know, Stephen, just give us one more verse, but only vowels. Uh, That's called the Pearl Jam. <laughs> or Ariana Grande. For all two Pearl Jam fans out there. <laughs> nice. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I, I like Tom. I'm I'm he could become the de facto leader of his tribe. I think that's a, a role that would like align to him naturally. Mm. And I think he'd be good at it. Third. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go with some, a callback to what Steven said earlier and that I'm going to give him the most likely to say something racist in two episodes. Ooh, good call. <laughs> good call. Actually. Yep. Yep. I could see that. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to Willard Smith. Willard, 56, from Bellevue, Washington, a lawyer. Willard is our other old guy. He is fourth row, fourth one across. I thought for fucking sure that Willard was going home. I mean, he was, almost was. When it was him and Jonathan left on the on the beach. And I'm kind of glad he didn't. Like, he just seems like a goofy guy. Like, I could see him pulling hijinks at camp, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. But he also looks, it says he's 56. He yeah. looks 76. Yeah. Kind of, that man partied. <laughs> we like to party. That is a man who has, who saw things in the seventies that you and I could only read about, you know? Mm. Uh, he didn't get much screen, screen time. I feel like, you know? Yeah. He didn't. But something about him just told me that I was going to like that guy. Okay. So I'm putting my flag down. I'm going to like that guy. Now jump forward to four episodes where you find out he's a sex pest or something oh, horrible. God. It would Ooh, not be the you... first time. Yeah, it's true. We uh, <laughs> we have run into that issue where we're like, ah, oh, I kind of dig this person. Oh, no, the crimes. <laughs> oh, no, the crimes. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, thus leaving us with two people who did not get picked. This is fucking stupid. Jonathan Libby, our uh, sales and marketing associate from Texas, who we kind of see why the campaign that was brought against him by yeah. Kobe, but we don't really see Wanda's. Wanda was 35, an English teacher from Pennsylvania. That lady's 35? I'm sorry, 55. That makes more sense. Okay. <laughs> I definitely meant to say 55. Whoa. No, Wanda's 55. Wanda, we kind of, from what we're led to believe, it's kind of just the older person. And... Yeah, Wanda had the vibe of, I also don't know why I was here. <laughs> well, here's the thing, is we were, we had talked before, people had sent us emails, that there was uh, clips that were edited out of the show once they were streamed. So like it, when it originally aired, there were clips that weren't there for us as a streaming audience. And I believe it was the reason why Wanda goes home. Not in a bad way. I think Wanda was, Wanda was singing. Wanda was singing all over the place across the oh, beach. Oh, so they cut it because copyright. They cut it because of copyrighted content and they didn't want to get in trouble years later. And wow. That was one of the reasons why they're like, we need to get rid of Wanda. Wanda won't shut the fuck up. Wanda thinks she signed up for American Idol and didn't realize until she got on the plane. 
Yeah. So yeah. that's that's what, everybody. Oh, go but on. what did Wanda do? What did Wanda do though to make four to five people burst into tears when she left? I think she was likable. I think she was just maybe a bit too much slash she was the oldest person and people thought of her as a liability. I also think I'd be like, I don't know if I, if it'd bring me to tears, but also because I'm not an easy crier, but I'd be pretty emotional too. Cause we all signed up being like, all right, this is how the game goes. We're gonna get our shot. Oh, two people are just done right now. And that could have been me. And it's that person I saw right there. This twist sucks. It, it does suck from a contested standpoint. I think it's it's a little brutal. I also don't think it's great TV. I agree. Like having two ostensibly extras that get cut in the beginning, like it doesn't have emotional impact on us because we don't know them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's everybody. Let's do a, a quick rundown of the episode. And by quick, I mean pretty quick because we talked a lot. We always yeah, do. We always do. But... I think it's important. So Oolong gets a, was it blue? I didn't write this down. But Karor gets a brown. Yeah, buff. I think it's I think it's blue and brown. Blue and brown. Okay, I think those are cool colors. Yeah, I. Yeah. Brown is such an out of the box choice, but I think they were going for like a military esque meets oh. the the nature the blue. I don't know. It was kind of fun, and. Like I said, we're we're two tribes living on the same beach. We're all hanging out. Angie doesn't feel like she's on the tribe she should be on, and I kind of agree. Oh, yeah. And then we kind of settle into this, oh, we have an older, weaker tribe in Karor and a str- like a bunch of big buff dudes walking past me in Oolong. Yeah. I didn't think Karor was that much older, but they definitely are not as fit. Yeah. Yeah. So we then jump to our immunity challenge. Since we've wasted so much time with all the early stuff, we have to jump to immunity and get no personal growth whatsoever. Yeah. We have an obstacle course. <laughs> Wait, first, Brian, do you have any thoughts on the immunity idol? No, let's let's keep going. Okay. I didn't think it was object it, I it it was not objectively racist, but I saw the idol and I went, mm. it's pretty generic. Yeah. Like it's not it's not taking any hard stances either way. Yeah. And I don't know, but somebody could look at it and be like, that's stealing from our culture. And I'd be like, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. They, like I didn't, I, I wasn't, it was one of those things I looked at and I just went, it just feels kind of off, kind of wrong. And I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime you humanize the immunity idol, it's suddenly, yeah, there, there's some, some weird vibes to it. Honestly, it might just be from the past ones. That is true. This is a step up from other ones that we've seen in season one through 10. Okay. So you're thinking about the previous. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely bleeds in when you look at like Amazon's idol and Borneo's idol. And then you see the next one that's kind of shaped like a person. You go, it's like a, it's a jump scare. It's a little bit of a jump scare. Yeah. (laughs) At least we don't have, at least we don't have literal blackface as our immunity idol. That is true. That we've, we've been there anyway. So they're doing an obstacle course. There is a, a net climb. There's a, a hurdle section. There's a section where you have to untie items. And then here's where the reward section comes in. Because you can then carry those items to the end of this obstacle course and then win them if you win the challenge. Or you can leave them. It's really up to you. There was fire, water, and food. food yeah. 
you can take all of them. You can take none of them. And then once you get that to the shore, you then take your boat out, you paddle it to a flag, grab the flag and come back. First one back wins. And Jared, what do you think of this one? It's better. Like it's better constructed than, than like a lot of the first challenges in the seasons. I like the wrinkle of fire, water and food. Although there's an obvious winner in there. Mm -hmm. Take the fire. Not for one tribe. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, <laughs> And the length of it, I think, helps with the overcome the physical gap where it's like it's not just a burst of brute strength. It's communication. It's teamwork. It's all these other things that are just as important. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Brian, did you have any thoughts on the challenge? I, I love challenge sections, but yeah. it's not everybody's cup of tea. You know, I find myself wanting to just from previous and maybe it's because of the other reality TV shows I watch. But it gets to the challenge sections, and in my head, I think I always am like ready to get through the challenge portion and then see how people reacted to the how the challenge went. I want to know less. I want to see less of the challenge and know more that like someone is like afterward collecting their shit and being like, "Did you see Jolanda's bullshit back there?" That matters so much to me. And the actual like running after you've watched like. You know, so many seasons where I've, it really all kinds of shows, Big Brother and all these kind of shows where it's the, the challenges. Sometimes you're like, I see the, in my head, I picture the writer coming up, making little drawings and coming up with these things. Like they got to throw this little egg into a cup and the cup will then slingshot into someone else's face and the most slingshotted eggs wins. And I sit and go. Um, so, so I, I would say that some challenges catch my attention, but this one was just was just okay. But yeah, but I think was a very ended up being very dramatic based on the like you guys were saying it, it having resources in it off the get go did make this a good challenge. Mm -hmm. It ultimately did not matter, but we did have resources well, up for play. Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. So anyway, it's pretty even for a while. I think Oolong was ahead for the original like physical section where they're climbing over things. Oh, the only thing I want to point out in this challenge though, is they have to go through that fucking marsh. And I was like, Oh cool. So everyone has dysentery now. Great. <laughs> Immediate dysentery. Can't be dysentery. <laughs> I'll see my, I'll see my jokes out. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Long gets ahead, but then we get to the section where they have to untie the resources and th they struggle untying. And then Jolanda's like, no, take them all we want to get all of these and they're like fighting in while the challenge is happening lose. yeah i think uh, stephanie i think was the one shouting back yeah. at that like hey come on we gotta we gotta go uh meanwhile the karor tribe takes the fire and nothing else and just goes and then they never look back they're leading they get to the beach first they get in their boat and they steer well they, they work know well how to paddle yeah by the time Oolong gets to the boat, they cannot paddle. And it's so funny watching people try to move, but absolutely not move in the water. Two of them are like sitting backwards. Yeah, I was confused what they were trying to do there. Yeah, that was Jeff's. Actually, I remember now that was forehead Jeff's big moment was he got all pissy and slapped the water with his Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about the temper tantrum. And then other Jeff's like, tempers are flaring. <laughs> Yeah, and then my my wife Kristen goes, 
surprised that the one overly muscly guy is just getting a little too upset on the boat. Nah. It's, it's, as we've talked about, or as it was stated in the show, this tribe has a lot of testosterone. They sure do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, so Karor wins. They win immunity and the reward that is the fire. For now. For now. They get to choose, because now they are no longer going to live on the same beach. They get to choose either go back to the beach that they were already on, or go to a new unexplored beach. And they chose the new beach. Yeah, do either of you know why the fuck they would do this? Because I'm at a loss. No, I was absolutely baffled. Unless they thought it it set up in a way, he said it in a way that made it seem like he wouldn't want to take it. Like he's like, you know, this the beach you already built shelter on. So that part of me went like, what if on this other beach there's some type of advantage? Um, but at the same time, I would have been like, no, you could be sending us into the middle of the jungle. Oh, it's the Family Guy secret box. Yes, it's, I was just thinking that. The, well, you could absolutely take the boat, or you could take the mystery box. Well, the mystery box could be anything. It could even be a boat. I'll take the mystery box. So this is something <laughs> I don't think about. Like, right away, I think it's Tom goes like, yep, we'll take the other one. I don't think he consulted anyone around him. I could be wrong on that. You had No, everyone agreed. Build this shelter mm -hmm. in the last day and a half. Uh-huh. That means... You're gonna go some you're gonna leave that shelter for the other nine people while you take your nine and start from scratch, having less than half the resources to build the same camp with less time. <laughs> Correct. And, and twice the hunger. And also you just did a challenge, so you're tired and don't have the entire day to do this. This is so stupid it hurts. <laughs> and Listen, I, I think the, the question of whether God is real is a complicated one. Um, but, but if God. Whoa, is, we're getting deep on the Survivor podcast. If God is real, I think God flipped that fucking outrigger canoe. God went, you <laughs> fucking idiots. Thump. You guys, we don't really have time to, you know, you know, nickel and dime every second of this show, but I think we should definitely talk about the, you know, if God is real and existentialism. Listen, existentialism should be the rest of this episode. <laughs> That's just, actually one of our tags on just, Spotify. <laughs> existentialism. Just we just sit there. I ask why, and then we sit in silence for the next twenty minutes. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be it. Good. Only it only takes one vote to get existential. Ooh, ooh. Okay. Anyway, like you said, we're they're on their way to their new camp, and then they flip their outrigger canoe, lose their reward that they just got, and it's at the bottom of the ocean. I also thought the whole point of an outrigger canoe was that was almost impossible to flip. Yeah, I don't know how they did that. There was, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what was going on there. Like the whole point is you have a counterweight. Yeah, it did seem like they were paddling in. Not with the waves, like the waves were coming Sorry. at them from the side, which does make it a little more difficult. But still, you're right. Should it, sh it should be more difficult than it was. Uh, at Oolong, because that's essentially what we get from from Karor for the rest of the episode. Yeah. For, at Oolong, we are pretty much just establishing a hierarchy and trying to figure out who's going home. So our big two candidates are Jolanda and Angie. Angie is like, yeah, I'm definitely a target. Jolanda's like, no, I'm, I'm going to lead this team to victory. And 
Uh, Jolanda's pretty much pushing Angie right away. And Angie's like, I don't know anybody but me. And I think Stephanie is the one who comes in and is yeah. like, what about, uh, what, if, what if we get rid of Jolanda? That would be fun. And then, and then Jolanda's big moment here. Guys, guys, guys. For every two hours of work, I am mandating that we take yeah. one hour of rest. You cannot be bossy on Survivor. You can. You just have to be better about it. Than okay, this. you shouldn't be bossy on Survivor. That is true. Or you should have. It should be more than twenty-four hours where you've established you're the actual leader that other people agree upon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You've you've been a tribe for like a day, and you're ruling by executive action. Yeah, there are times in past Survivor where they've been like, "We kind of want you to lead. Like, take the ship. Tell us what to do here." This is not one of those. No. Uh, and then they go to tribal council and there, there's a few things that kind of jump out at me. This is where James says, everybody's young and tough on this tribe. We're full of testosterone. We're gonna win some challenges here. We just didn't win this one. Yeah. Now yeah. James should be the leader. <laughs> James is funny. Yeah. Angie makes no case to save herself whatsoever. Yeah. She kind of has, talked a, about that has already. a little bit of a pity party. Like I try my best in the challenge. They show a shot of Jolanda laughing. Like I, that seemed edited to me. It. I also put the same thing. Like I wonder if this is a section where survivors like let's insert some drama. Yeah. It's also mm-hmm. the tribal council is in like an old World War II fort. They're really leaning in hard, and I I kind of like the aesthetic. It's pretty badass. I'm not gonna lie. I did too. Uh, and then J- James is like, we didn't grab fire. James's comments, like offhanded comments, are so funny to me. He's like, dumbass. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, James. And that's kind of it. Anything else you want to highlight from Tribal? Uh, just that the torch snuffer is a machine gun barrel, and it's really cool. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. That's, oh, I got to look for that. What? It has like the holes in it, like for like venting for like a machine gun barrel. Oh. It's really cool. Dang. We're really digging into the military complex on this. Yeah. World War II is the last time that like there was it was objectively good, so lean into it. <laughs> oh boy. Okay, and then we we vote out Jolanda on a six three line, and Jeff scolds everyone like, "Stop with the excuses, get a plan. No fire for you." <laughs> yeah, that's the son of a bitch. Yes, yeah, son of a bitch. Jeff, son of a bitch guy. <laughs> um, so we kind of we. We went through everything. We're getting close to the end. Do you want have any thoughts about what Jolanda could have done better in this situation? Like, what? How do we fix Jolanda's game? It's twofold. One, you can't, you just can't be that bossy, and I think that's just load bearing to who she is. And I'm sure that's done really good things for her in life, and it might do good things for her in other types of games. But in Survivor, that early in the game, it is not a good thing. And secondly, I guess have have a tribe with less testosterone so that there's other people that had to go home first before you. Mm-hmm. Cause like if there was three people over the age of 50 on her tribe, like there's no way she goes goes home this episode. They couldn't lose her physical strength, but they can. Yeah, Jolanda needed to pull an Aaron Burr and talk less, smile more. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> yeah. She kind of always seems like a pre-merge boot to me. I don't know. I like Jolanda, and I I do think she had much more game in her, and there there was... It's rare that I've gotten to say that on these first 10 seasons, but she plays too hard. 
That is true. There's very few scenarios early on when that is the case. You cannot be, and I would do it too. I'd fall for it. I, I see hurt myself in that. You can't body tackle somebody for the first individual immunity. That's pretty great though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I loved watching it. It puts a target on your back. Okay. And she is, it's either her or weirdly enough, um, Angie that are the protagonists of this episode. Angie doesn't go home, but there's a lot of the question is like, if Angie, like, will Angie get picked? Will Kobe take her? Is she going to stick around if they lose immunity, etc.? Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I'm sorry. I'm also scrolling through. Jolanda did a quarantine questionnaire. The Entertainment Weekly <laughs> caught up with Jolanda during the quarantine and was just like asking people questions. And there's a lot of interesting information in here. Like so much that I, I don't have time to get through it. So I encourage people to go go look up Jolanda's quarantine questionnaire. Uh, one of which she was in a reality show called Sisters in Law for the WETVs. I don't know what that is. Um, but it's available for purchase on iTunes. Ooh. Jolanda wrote a book called Owning My Shit. S-H-I-T. Suffering Hardship Internalizing Trauma. And there is uh, apparently something like big in here that I want to find. So Jared, take control of the podcast for a second. Okay. I mean, that book sounds like something that uh, kind of reinforces what I said, right? Like she seems kind of hard around the edges and very direct, which not great things for Survivor. Um, Brian, what seasons have you seen out of curiosity? Well, I'm not entirely sure all of them, but I, I definitely saw, I had ended up having a friend from kind of a friend of a friend uh, while I was in high school who was on Survivor season. Um, it was a redemption island and then uh, came back numerous times. And then, um, and so it kind of made me realize that I, that these shows are tangible, that you could apply for them. You could be on them, you know? You, so for a long time, I wanted, like I was saying, I wanted to be on the show. And I know, I think I honestly picked up around then, around like 22. So all these early so seasons. You have a friend on the inside. Yes. And, and uh, cast. there we go. There. Hey, wait a minute. Yeah. While you're at it, can you drop a line for, for your boy? <laughs> have, you, have you heard of turning back time yeah this guy they're, they don't yet they're but they're going to be wearing jeff jeff shirts soon <laughs> make sure you tell them which one is steven though because there's listen i'm type i i've as our listeners know i'm type 1 diabetic i can't be on survivor anyway but with the shit i've said about this show there's no way in hell they'd cast me <laughs> okay so i i dug further here and there is some really interesting things here. She was upset about the way she was portrayed, but pre going on Survivor, like she was pushing like, hey, black people aren't edited super well on these reality TV shows. That's fair. And I I would like to like go on and be not that. Like not uh like I don't want them to show people that way and was go on and, and she went on and she was upset about her edit like the angry exactly the angry the angry black angry person black edit. person yeah. edit like i don't know if mark burnett caught wind of what was happening or what but like kind of pushed that narrative she made the black survivor alliance 
So like pushing Mark Burnett for like, hey, do better about how you edit your your people of color on this show. Yeah, good. Which is pretty amazing to stand up and do that. Uh, also was called the N word at Ponderosa after getting what the fuck voted out. I don't know by who. It does not state who. But boy, that's not good. Uh, but that's she's fucked up. She still uh talks with Wanda and cried oh. when Wanda was voted out. So yeah. there you go. So like, I guess that does. I, I've, it's funny that this is the this is. I feel like maybe the one of the first people of color voted off early that I've not made the case of like. I wonder if they're edited badly or given like the ang- the angry black person edit because it those moments where she just seems so competitive mm-hmm. and especially as a lawyer, like you have to be really competitive to be yeah. a good lawyer. I guess I don't know what kind mm-hmm. of law she practices, but yeah, that, that makes sense. And I guess some of that stuff I said can be softened up a little bit under that context. I, I could see them if she continued in the game that she would have been continued to be edit edited in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I think we should wrap it up here because we've been talking for a long time. But any final thoughts, Brian? Did you have fun with this episode? I did. I am 100% going to be barreling through this season. And this just might be the kick I needed to just, you know, actually commit to diving back into Survivor. And I do have to say, as a final thought, I have never, ever opened a streaming platform, clicked on a show, and when trying to find an episode, was able just to go through the seasons one of the professors all the way down to 45 it was i laughed out loud at the fact that the seasons kept going oh, it's, it's never nice. occurred in another show ever and it's i mean it was it was comical and uh but a testament to why this podcast is necessary and that i so i think you two are doing a valiant job Wow, that's the first time I think we've ever told somebody's ever told us that what we do is necessary or good. Uh, we are doing the Lord's work. <laughs> the Lord, God is real, folks. We figured it out. God, we have decided on this podcast. <laughs> God is real. Jared, how do you feel? Uh, good. We have had no bumpers this episode, Stephen. Oh, we didn't. I didn't even think about that. Well, I we we can still bumper out of this, but. Uh, I wanted to get your winner pick first. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I right Ooh. now it's Stephanie. I have a good feeling about Stephanie. Okay, yeah, perfect. I want to ask Brian who his winner pick is. Yeah, Brian, do you have a thought on who you think wins this off of one episode? <laughs> I put Jared in a bad spot, but you are under no obligation to uh, be right or be close. No, I I don't think I know. It's I'm calling her right now. It's gonna be old Grodel. Grodel. Uh Oh, if I, I'm going to do one per tribe. Oh, sure. Stephanie and I think Ian. So Stephanie's on the tribe that went to tribal council. Yes. And Ian is not. Yes. Okay. Ian. Got it. Heard. Really, I'm just rooting for Ethan or for Ian. I don't know that that's going to happen, but I love him. Cool. Then let's end the episode with a bumper. So are you going to go in and put a bumper even though you didn't announce one earlier? No. no? I have to to earn the bumpers. If I don't say it, it can't go in. Fair. That'll do it for this episode of the Survivor Turnback Time podcast. We are starting a new season. I'm excited. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for joining us. And from sitting at your couch with your dogs, and I'm very jealous of that. Thanks for having me, guys. Nice to meet you, Jared. Nice to meet you, too.
I'll I'll be I'll be a dog, Stephen. <laughs> Jared, anything you'd like to promote? Um, yeah, I would like to promote. You know, maybe see God in the things all around you. Maybe oh. maybe God is the wind in the trees. Why? Maybe why is, God is the acid you took at that music festival. Why you know? is Survivor Palau the thing that gets? I us don't know. Into this, I'm on a right. bit now. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Brian, anything you'd like to promote? I love the ocean. Company? No, uh, no, I just, uh, this has been a lot of fun, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. I'm going to promote Brian. Brian's a good guy. Just, I have, I have nothing to promote, so I'm going to promote your theater company. Say your theater company's name one more time. It's Imaginarium. Imaginarium Theater. I had it in my brain and I did it right, but I was worried I wasn't going to do it right. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, go uh, go support Imaginarium Theater if you have money to spare. Or Don't... kids to see shows or do camps. There's that stuff, too. For my co-host, Jared, and our special guest, Brian, this is Steven. For my host, Brian, and my special guest, Steven, this is Jared. This is every time. You knew it was coming. Brian, give it a go. <laughs> this is Brian. I love the ocean, and I love the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs>